0: My name is Chris Spaggs, and I'm on a quest to stack up every NFL team in Underdog Fantasy's Best Ball Mania Four tournament. $3 million to first place. So you can see here, the randomizer wheel is ready to go to determine which team I'll be stacking up at random today, or at least the first one. Going to be a doubleheader once again today. So let's see what the wheel gives us. Oh, the anticipation getting a week off and then leaving my fates in the hand of a wheel. Oh, okay. So a team that everybody thinks is dog shit, a team that I love the rookie quarterback of, that is where we are going today. We are going to the Houston Texans, so let me pull up uh, the Best Ball Mania draft room that I am in right now. You can play along with me an Underdog. Use the promo code SPLASH to double your deposit up to 100 bucks on there. Help a brother out by giving me some of the sweet, sweet referral fees if you are our first time sign up on there. And you can see the room just Filled looks like on here, so we'll see what spot I get. Do I get the influencer 101? I do, I do. The most influential man on the Splash Play channel is once again in the 101 spot. And the good news, because we do have Houston Texans, as I will mark in the banner, I don't really have to think about anything for a while here. <laughs> There's no Texans coming up early. I could take my Nikos. I could take my uh, Devin Singletarys. I could even get Damian Pierce early if I want. Uh, but we are going to be stacking Texans today, as the banner officially shows. So. Let's do it guys. I'm excited. Um as always here uh, because I am drafting the Texans, I will talk a little bit more about the Texans than I would normally do. Um I have seen recently actually this morning, uh Josh Larky over at 33rd team pushing back on some social media posts. As he's as he's wanting to do I'm um, always loves to give his take on things. Which I admire the ability to give out that many takes. I'm trying to do it more, uh, but I find it hard to force feed takes. Like I have some I believe in, but even ones as people who replied to me, but my Deontay Johnson joke tweet this morning, I still take Deontay Johnson. Like I'm a responsible person with my money. I know that uh, there's still a chance if I believe in Pittsburgh's offense that Deontay Johnson can be okay enough to be useful for me, uh, but we are on the clock here. So let's get this out of the way. We're taking Justin Jefferson. Uh, no questions here. Uh, But yeah, so for me, a lot of this too is that, you know, I have player takes. I'm trying to tweet one out a day about usually the 18th round guys, guys that I have a lot of exposure to guys like Christian Watson that I'm very over the field on for reasons. Um, I'm trying to kind of explain those one a day as we get down to the home stretch here, I guess the last uh, 56 days, I think until NFL kickoff. Um, And speaking of, by the way, this is uh, the 18th team that we have left that we're hitting on today. So we're going to have to make up a second spag stacks at some point, I guess, because me being off, I threw myself off schedule, but we are on pace for the most part to stack up every team before the, uh, before the season starts. So that feels pretty good. Shout out to the chat as well. Too much John Mechie slander out there. I have realized John Mechie is one of my highest exposed players at this point. Uh, Not too crazy, though. Like I think 16% or so uh, across all the tournaments so far post-draft. But uh, Mechie, a very good player at Bama, a guy who... Uh, graded out pretty well as an end zone target despite not great size so he is a player that certainly i think would be a good part of a texans lineup Uh, although really the guy that i have the biggest blind spot to is going to be nico collins i just haven't liked him historically that much Um, did kind of play a poor man's brandon cooks last year let me actually see what nico's numbers are Um, of course the things i cite the most are going to be the dvoa numbers from football outsiders which uh, hopefully we'll still have this data running into the season we'll find out over the next uh, few weeks hopefully Uh, But Nico Collins, negative 13% receiving DVOA last year, negative 0.01 EPA per target from Sports Info Solutions. So was not a guy that graded out in any of these metrics. Uh, Downfield targets did get 0.7 downfield targets a game, 29% catch rate. Both of those are okay. Nico's okay. I think the the big chance for Houston here is that if Shroud is good, I think Mechi is going to look a lot better. Um, I think that there's a chance that Xavier Hutchinson could be an 18th round pick that matters. Um, Big bodied guy at Iowa State who did make a lot of great plays downfield. Um, those are the kind of players that I do have a little bit of an interest in. Tank Dell has had the rapport so far with Stroud, uh, apparently begging Stroud to get him drafted. And then Stroud calls in the favor of the Texans and gets Tank Dell drafted. But Tank Dell, very small guy. So there are kind of similar archetypes for this use room besides Dalton Schultz, who not the sexiest in the Dallas offense, but is a competent tight end. Um, I don't have an issue with text and stack. I actually think that One of my meta takes here, and it does tie into some data that we've had uh, research football outsiders before, but I think there's been similar best ball studies done. The biggest value you get out of your stacks overall is like a team greatly outperforming where they were drafted. So, um, you know, because theoretically then the QB jumps up, the receivers jump up and proxy with the QB. That's sort of where you get your biggest value. I guess Jared Goff would be an example of that. You know, Amon Ra was drafted highly enough, but Goff created enough value overall for that offense. And then him himself would be sort of the logic there. So Stroud is one of those guys like like Kenny Pickett, like I think even Bryce Young. Guys just are going late, and then if they kind of are naturally better than where that ADP is, they're going to make the rest of that passing offense better. So I actually do like drafting guys like Stroud quite a bit. And I think Stroud is actually one of my more exposed QBs. I'm pretty flat besides the Anthony Richardson of it all, as we've talked about on here. Uh, But definitely, to me, I think the strategy fits for guys like Stroud, especially if you're willing to take the the so-called risk on a, a rookie QB. Shout out to Chad as well. Good morning, Spags. Appreciate you guys hanging out with me here. Back and refreshed, ready to draft. How's that family vacation? Family vacation was good, uh, besides the fact that Luca is now a fully wild man who, uh, we had in, like an unenclosed backyard area with like hills and steps and uh, the place in Puerto Rico. We were staying in Lucio, for anybody who's familiar with, I guess, that region. And um, basically, like, he's just on the loose now. So I got to chase him around everywhere. It um, was like part of why, too. I'm like really kind of rededicating myself to my cardio and starting to run uh, three or four times a week and whatever. It was, like... Like, it's just exhausting chasing his ass around in, like, really humid 90-degree weather. Um, so it was fun, but definitely was not much of a vacation is the best way to describe that. All right, so we're on the clock here. I hate this pocket because I end up taking a lot of DK Metcalf. <sighs> is this a Chris- reach for Christian Watson spot? I don't think so. Um, you know what? Let's get – we do have Houston, so let's take Derrick Henry here as the Week 17 bring back for our Houston-Tennessee matchup. And then – Do I want to increase my Watson bags here? His ADP slipped about a decimal point since yesterday. I do think the combo of Jefferson and Christian Watson's pretty rare. I do have enough DK Metcalf. I don't want to take Ramondre. I don't want to really take one of these other QBs here. I think this is a spot for me to take a reach on Christian Watson again. And us talked about with Pete, I do this about 50% of the time that I do get the one hole with Justin Jefferson. I personally don't believe Watson's going to fall enough to regularly kind of land in this 48, 49 spot that you would have to get if you are taking Jefferson at the one on one. So that's why I'm going to take Watson in this spot. It is a big reach on ADP, terrible usually to make that kind of move, but for two you know, wide receiver ones, I'm not a big believer in Romeo Dobbs. I know Sam Sherman's been kind of carrying that bag on social media lately, uh, but Watson was so great in that offense. And it's the kind of thing that, to me, stands out a lot. And I know people sometimes don't get. Uh, if a guy is really bad in an offense and then another receiver is really good in an offense, it's not the offense's fault. It now is the fault of that one player. Dobbs wasn't great last year. He's a rookie, so like it kind of doesn't matter. But like, for Deontay Johnson, that's part of why I think Deontay Johnson is so revalued. He was 81 out of 85 in uh, DVOA, 85 out of 85 in offensive yards above replacement. Um, I might be conflating the stats, but point me. he was like bottom of the league in both of those, whereas Pickens was great. And it's like, okay, do you blame the offense then, or do you blame the player? And Pickens, of course, is always going to be more of a high EPA, high DVOA player, because he's a downfield, you know, high air yards kind of target guy. But still, like, I think those things matter. So that's why to me, um, Christian Watson's the clear cut wide receiver one, obviously an ADP in Green Bay. But I think if I can get these guys in a dome in week 17, I just like that combo quite a bit here we go take seven running backs consecutively yes that's always the move that i try to go for here um i am honestly just trying to train my brain and not always go zero rb i still think that there's an advantage to do that i know there's enough data out there and also the adps kind of shifting around have made it more appealing to get your two early anchor rbs or your bimodal rb if we're going to cite the of course great pat corain the best ball mania three champ uh to me though it's honestly hard because i just believe in the failure of running backs more than anything um, That was the thesis I had last year, no running back getting over 25 touches and ended up being the case. I think Derek Henry was the closest at 23.9. So this year I would say the same thing, you know, um, running backs just being devalued in terms of the marketplace has been pretty clear so far from contracts, but also like, what if this year, no running back crests 20 touches, uh, that's already devalues All these guys, even if they are sort of lesser values or, you know, less expensive rather than they would have been in previous years. So McCaffrey gets under 20 touches, if Eckler gets under 20 touches, if even Bijan gets under 20 touches, um, that's the kind of thing that I think devalues the values to running back overall is a first round bet. Um, so I have no issue going zero RB, but for me, I'm just trying to train the alternative. I was trying to get different with my portfolio. That's always the goal here. As you might've guessed, by the way, for me doing a show where I spin a randomizer wheel <laughs> and draft players based on that, I like getting different in my portfolio and trying to force my brain to think differently because if I only drafted off of my player takes, it would be Christian Watson, Pickens, uh, you know, Pittman with AR kind of stuff over and over again. And obviously I do enough of that. I'm happy doing that for a third of my portfolio, but I don't want it to be everything when you are spending as much money maxing out these tournaments as I am. When we will, when will we see you pick outside the top three? I'm running good right now. I got to give that credit to Underdog. I guess they they've recognized my influence here. Uh, but yeah, it's weird because you know it's all ebbs and flows. I've talked about this like on DraftKings. I think my first 20 drafts, I didn't get a single 101. Now on Underdog on stream, every single time I'm getting 101s. It feels like um, it's just how it runs. So obviously, if you're maxing out 150, you're going to be more likely to get that. I'm sure Pete will go on a run at some point on 101s, given how cold he's ran at least in our shared streams. I know some people out there are tracking that data. Um, so I, you just got to stick it out. You just got to keep, that's got to keep spending money on the platform and eventually you'll get those 101s, which feels like a scam now that I'm <laughs> saying that out loud. Showing up late. What was the randomizer today? You can see it down below Houston Texans. So, uh, nothing coming up anytime soon that I have to worry about though. I definitely was influenced by the Derrick Henry choice here. Uh, that's one that I maybe would have not made. might've reached for a Metcalf, might've uh, maybe taken one of the elite QBs. Uh, but I do think Derrick Henry in a spot where we are going to stack up Texans, I think feels pretty good. Um, you can see here in the four hole, RW2 is spamming running backs here, uh, which could be tough in this room. Does feel like we have nobody going pure zero RB, so maybe he won't get punished. Uh, the icon here taking Jalen Hurts breaks up his zero RB run. Lamar Jackson going to Casey here, breaks up his zero RB run, uh, but definitely could be a hole here that's very hard to dig out of if this guy doesn't stop taking running backs pretty much immediately. Um, on the clock here, I think this is just going to become a kind of proxy Minnesota bet, which I don't have an issue with either. I uh, will take TJ Hawkinson for our elite tight end. Uh, no issue with him going at this point, especially if you have Jefferson. And uh, and of course I'll take Deontay Johnson. No, not in a fucking million years while I reach for Deontay Johnson. I will take Brandon Ayuk, who I still think is a strong play for San Francisco. Um, I know there's been a little bit of Debo talk recently on social media, but Ayuk is a guy who, again, just the can't cover him in a phone booth stuff that Debo himself has said, um, improving year to year, high EPA per target guy. Ayuk last year uh, was a guy with, let's see, Ayuk 0.32 EPA per target, which is a great number. Um, That's the range where normally I'm like, okay, this guy is somebody special. And if the volume increases, like he could be an actual world beater. Uh, 16.4% receiving DVOA. So AUK fits the criteria for those two stats that I always look at. Uh, Targets per out run also looking fine. 21% target per out run rate pretty good for an outside receiver. Actually, closer to a tight end number for that one. But uh, the Niners run so few routes overall compared to some other teams that I think that could be part of that. Why? Yeah, lots of high T starts here. Lots of high T starts. Spags servicing game extra strong compared to PETA teams. I think it's honestly just that I took the week off. <laughs> now I'm coming in and I want to make sure that these streams are li- living up to the hype here because you know, frankly, like Splash Play, a lot of the value of us getting subs, which is the goal here, to hit three thousand subs. So please, if you're new around here, subscribe down below. Hit the like button. It uh, helps us get seen by more people. Leave a comment. Of course, if you any questions or thoughts or anything that you want my my take on, even if you're gonna fade it, uh, feel free to leave it down in the comments below. Uh, but we want to get Splash Play to three thousand subs, and a lot of this this legwork is going to come on my end of things, so um definitely want to make sure we hit that. Of course, the goal when we hit 3,000 subs, and Pete hits his 15,000 subs on his channel, will be a Splash Play drunk show, and frankly I want that done before the season starts, so uh get us to 3,000 subs here. We're less than 700 away. It would be really cool to hit that. It would feel good as a man who's kind of uh, building building our own businesses here, is what we're doing on Splash Play, and me in particular. Boop, boop, boop. Shout out Dink for taking a break from the NBA Summer League to join us today. Oh, is he, is Meyer in this one? I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, Dink piece. Okay, there we go. He's probably just a big Splash Play fan, I'd assume. Just watching. <laughs> watching at home going, ah, I wonder who the Spags is going to take today. Uh, Dink, one of the guys I do not know. ETR, I don't know. It's weird. Like I think we have uh, Patrick, who's one of the ETR behind the scenes guys in the chat. Um, I don't think ETR likes me. Like, I think at least Leone does, but I think in general, they don't either know me well enough or like me. Uh, so that's, that's one of my reads, but they do like our thumbnail game and our, and our uh, subject game here on the channel. So that's why, uh, that's why I'm familiar with their work more so, but also, obviously they do a great job over there. You don't have to like me for me to say you do great work, even though, um, you know, clearly dink one of the biggest fans here. I'm sure going to be a YouTube member of the Splashboy channel any moment now. Thoughts on Singletary packed my bags on him early and I'm not taking them since feels like he might be washed. Uh, I don't think he's washed. He was a very good player in Buffalo last year. Just kind of didn't get uh, the workload that maybe he deserved, especially in catching passes was really good last year. I was an outlier in receiving DVOA. So he's a guy that I like. I think he's a great part of a zero RB build. I've kind of stumped for a little bit of a Jalen Warren as a guy that I dig my heels on a uh, Singletary is another one of those guys. Uh, he was going so cheap before that. I am taking a little bit less of him now. Uh, just because I have seen his ADP start to come up, at least in the rooms that I've been in. um, So I take a little bit less Singletary, but I think he's one of those guys that's going to have a role day one. Uh, Damian Pierce had some good things to him, like, ha- like a high avoided tackle rate, obviously broke some big plays last year, did earn volume. That said, a new coaching staff bringing a guy in, always the thing you have to kind of have a, a little bit of a worry for for Damian Pierce. Singletary is a vet who played at a high level on a high-level team. That stuff matters. So I think Singletary is greatly undervalued, and I would not um, not be afraid to take him here. Um, I think I might take Pierce, but it depends on where these ADPs align. Um, but still, like I, I think Singletary is a great pick, and I think one, two, that correlates better as part of a stack. Like Pierce, I don't anticipate catching a lot of passes. Singletary, I mean, last year he had – and obviously, it's a different offense, so his target share last year kind of doesn't matter. Um, he had 2.9 targets per game, like uh, you know, he was right in the mix there, running a good amount of routes as well. Um, running 22 uh, 23 routes per game, so actually running a lot of routes last year for Buffalo. Uh, you know, I think that's the kind of player that for Stroud, you know, Stroud's not gonna be the most mobile guy out there, he can run kind of like a Joe Burrow, but is a guy that should check down a little bit more. So, I think Singletary has a lot of functionality and a lot of different builds. Um, it looks like, well, all right, we got three receivers at this point. I mean, I could still get to four through seven without an issue. I think I'm going to keep increasing the Minnesota bet. Take Madison here at a little bit of a discount. Um, don't often see him falling to 72 these days. So that looks good. And I'm going to pass on Pierce at this point. I guess I could take him and be maybe done at running back. Um, but I think Dotson here makes a little more sense. We have a and now we have a little more week 17 correlation. So Henry and Madison at running back, Jefferson Watson, a Dotson all week 17 correlated at receiver and a tight end Hawkinson. And then at some point, hopefully I will get Kirk cousins, but if not, so be it. Connor wanted me to take Pierce. I, I'm not taking Pierce. I I'm taking Singletary here. I think will be the move for me. Unless Pierce falls all the way back, then, then I'll be happy to take Pierce, but I don't think he will. Um, Madison, I think, makes more sense with the bet that we have going um, on Minnesota right now. Like, I don't I take enough Dwayne McBride. I don't take a lot of Ty Chandler. I do believe a little bit more in McBride's ability to be kind of a bell cow back. Um, take some Chandler on draftings, I guess, would be the better way to put that. Uh, but I do think to me, I, I view Damian Pierce as not my favorite bet in the world. So I'm happy to go take Singletary later if that's how it works out. Pass on a falling Pierce in a Texan stack. Yep. I mean, look, I just think that Singletary is the better pick <laughs> relative to ADP. Ultimately, that's what it is. And I think with my bet on Minnesota right now and Minnesota Green Bay, yeah, people, you can have a Houston team without Damian Pierce. I think if anything, this shows why exactly I would do it this way, is that whenever people view it as like this thing where, oh man, you can't stack up the Texans without Damian Pierce. I'm very happy to stack up the Texans without Damian Pierce because of that. Um, if I find flaws in his game, if I find flaws in the potential approach for him, um, if I think he's overvalued, and I still think he's overvalued even relative to these ADPs, I think he should be a little bit closer to like... um. Rashad White range, I think, is where Pierce should go um, for me personally. So, yeah, you guys may feel differently, but I would rather have Singletary as part of a stack. Um, Pierce is a value guy going late. Fine. But like it was a, you know, a 13 pick difference in ADP for Madison here as a discount, a three pick difference for Pierce. Like that's not a falling Pierce. That's Pierce at his price, which, um, yeah, not not great for me you got Connor must be newer. You must've missed some of the other stacks here where I stack Arizona with Clayton tune at one point. So I, I don't really, uh, the wheel is merely a vessel for me to kind of build the team that I think is the best representation of what, you know, Houston or, or an Arizona or a Tampa Bay should be. So I don't think Pierce is a necessary part of the Houston stack. They may be shocking to some people out there, but I think really, you know, I talked about it a little bit. The coaching change risk is like one thing that I think, people don't think enough about. Um, We've seen it the last few years with a coach coming in, falling in love with the backup or falling in love with a guy that um, is not necessarily the bell cow. And then you see 10 touches, 15 touches going to that guy. Um, New coaching staffs bring new perspectives, especially one with the Niners kind of pedigree where there is an expectation that you're not going to fuck up. You're not going to be a player that adds negative value. Like all the players in the Niners roster last year We're all analytically sound players. Like, A, we talked about was good. Debo still added value. Um, McCaffrey obviously added value. Kittle was one of the better tight ends in terms of uh, estimated points added per target. Like, these are things that that team looks at, and I don't think those principles change with the guys they brought over to the Texans, Um, with obviously D'Amico Ryans being the head coach, uh, Slowick being the pass game coordinator in SF, who's now going to be the offensive coordinator for Houston. Um, so yeah, like I think there's a very decent chance they fall out of love with Pierce who was really one of the worst analytic backs out there. Like he wasn't hot, like a low success rate guy, a low rushing DVOA guy couldn't catch a pass low EPA per rush guy, um, did avoid tackles, but like the, uh, didn't convert to anything meaningful on the field. Uh, boy, people really, <laughs> If you guys, I mean, I don't know I don't know how to explain it any better. I don't know how to, <laughs> how to do that, but um, yes, I'm stacking Texans. I will still choose the Texans that I like the most. That's it's not like the law here that I just have to gobble up every Texan. So I I make the laws around here for this particular stream called Spag Stacks. The law the law is me. I'm Steven Segal here making the laws, punishing people. There we go. Eli gets it, just likes Pierce a bit more. That's fine. You look, you got to draft the players you like. You know, as, as I've talked about, though, like I'll still draft players I don't like because I think that's part of having a responsible portfolio and like acknowledging that if you have Jalen Warren at you know 20%, you probably should have four to honestly, four to 8% Najee Harris getting close to like matching that field just because like, you know, we can have our takes. We can come in with the best data, the best information. I do feel like um, I have some of the best access to data of people who are really doing this content on the regular. That said, like I have to acknowledge that I could still be directionally accurate but wrong overall, like I was last year with Drew Locke versus Geno Smith. Um, so that's the kind of thing to me that I've been more mindful of this year with things that I think there are a rebuttal points to go back at. Boy, a lot of running backs on the board here. This is this is a silly range. Um, God, receiver just bled out entirely, huh? Um. I'm just going to get Kirk here. I don't want to risk him having to fall back. He's important enough to me. He's more important to me than anybody else right now in this draft. I would like to get to five receivers through 10. We are in the 10th round here. This room does not want to give me that. It's honestly not a big enough discount at running back to force myself to take one of these guys. So I think... I am going to take Sky Moore here as my fifth receiver. Don't love that. Don't love that at all. But this room completely blood out at receiver. Um, even the Michael Thomas's, Courtland Suttons, uh, Jameson Williams, a guy that I'm happy to take at this point with a, a falling ADP, um, especially as a fifth receiver. But uh, yeah, oof, that really was not pretty. I don't even know. Like Tyler Boyd went at 91 here. Yeah, this, just, this room got crushed at receiver. and I didn't even notice. Bye-bye, Nico. Maybe. This will be one of the few Texan sacks without Nico and Pierce, which I'm okay with. Um, so part of the logic, too, for why I kind of don't mind being more agnostic for some of these positions as well for the Texans, and you know, is really it's CJ Stroud. Um, I'll go through some of Stroud's numbers. And you guys were, me- might remember if you're following Splash play back in January when I was digging through all the advanced data to figure out like what quarterbacks, what rookies, and overall I was gonna like. Shroud just jumps off the page, 10.5% touchdown rate per uh, per attempt, 0.309 EPA per target would put him as the best in the class besides Stetson Bennett. Um, also very good under pressure, 3.1% sack rate, not a not a bad EPA on those numbers. The main thing though for Shroud is his ability to create value downfield, which is where a Nico could be really important, but also a Mechie could be, a Tank could be. These are a lot of downfield guys that they have potentially there to use in that way. Uh, Shroud, actually the top QB in the class. 0.93 EPA per target on throws of 20 plus air yards, 50% completion rate. Um, so a guy that really looked good there also shroud, very good in the red zone. Um, so he's a guy that I do anticipate creating value for kind of those short window throws. So to me, I think you could take any taxes and feel okay about it. Obviously the market has clearly decided that Nico's the guy. Um, and Nico too is bigger than you might realize. I was looking at some of his numbers and he's like six, four, which I guess he doesn't play like he's six, four, but is a big bodied guy as well. Um. So Nico, certainly I get why he would be the top, you know, Houston wide receiver off the board, but if I don't get him in a Houston stack, like I don't think, I don't think I'm dying with that one necessarily. Having acknowledged you have a responsible portfolio. Do you have any complete fades? My complete fades are mostly the early running backs. I don't believe in. So I have on paper, like 0% Saquon, but it's, you know, I have three shares, four shares across a bunch of different entries um, or different tournaments rather. Um, my biggest stands are going to be those guys in these early parts here. Like I don't have a lot of, um, Saquon don't have a lot, actually probably don't have a lot of Henry, even though I, I have less of an issue with Henry as a concept. It's just getting older. My bet is still mostly against the early running backs, just because I think that, um, Every year, people find a way to make themselves comfortable with early running backs. And I think that's one of the flaws overall with how people play best ball. I know there's enough data out there. And Sam Sherman, I think, has made the most compelling arguments to why you should be less of a zero RB bro and more willing to kind of get there in terms of these guys. Um, just because, like, the most spike weeks of running back do come from the early drafted running backs. That said, you know, I think this year and every year, the last few um, has been really emblematic of what the NFL is being, which is you know the Tyler Algiers. Like I could not have had more Tyler year last year. He was my highest exposed running back. Obviously I ended up paying off. I think this year there's five different Tyler Algiers, um who were in spots where they should be, you know, a sound running back who does things well and also has a real pathway to getting meaningful carries. So to me, like my highest exposed guys are, we've talked about it with Pete. It's a chain. It's Miller. Um, it's Jalen Warren. It's all those guys who are going to have some fractional amount of a role. Um, Roshan Johnson, another one who I think I'll have a fractional amount of a role, but by week 17, we'll have the role. Um, Elijah Mitchell, I have over 20% of Singletary. I've just under 20% of Chase Brown under 20% of, so, uh, I am just heavy on anybody who's <laughs> running back after 100. Um, and is also, you know, newer, fresher legs is, is my main thesis. MJ's got 0% Saquon through 55 drafts. That is, that's a little bit more than me. Um, I'll actually pull up my number here. I have $35 spent on Saquon, good for 0.8% drafted in 237 teams, it looks like right now. And I will show you guys my exposures at the end, so if you want to you know, dig any deeper on my my psychology for how I'm handling it, uh, we can talk about it at the end of the video where I will uh, go through and show you all my top exposed guys I do every time we step up to the plate here on SPAG Stacks. My weekly winners finally filled and I got one-on-one. Let's go. I have actually still not entered a single weekly winners contest, which um, yeah, feels like a blind spot. I'm not creating content for it, so I don't really care. All right, so see, here. here's how it works, guys. I didn't reach for Nico. The room went the other way. Now Nico comes back to me. No issue taking Nico here. That looks fine. He'll be my sixth receiver. Uh, we also need to... Hmm, okay, we can wait on Schultz. <clears throat> Don't have a bet on Philly. Don't have a bet on Atlanta. Still is a pretty nice value for Rashad Penny. I think he completes this early run at running back or early for me run at running back here. So we have Derek Henry, Madison, Rashad Penny at running back. Uh, Receiver, Jefferson, Watson, Auk, Dotson. Had to reach for Sky more, which I just should have held off, I guess, and maybe not gotten to five receivers through 10. And Hawkinson at tight end, of course, with Kirk Cousins as my other QB who is not CJ Stroud. So. I feel good about this build. Um, obviously, I guess maybe could have placated the Texans fans out there more who want to see more Damian Pierce, but we got Nico. We're, we're set up here for the players. Oh, thank you, Carlos. I always love the, the subtle threat of collusion <laughs> looming above these streams. But no, the goal is, of course, never to collude with anybody here. But if you guys are kind to me on a stream, you're in a draft room with me, and you just go, hey, I know Spags is stacking Texans. Go ahead, take Nico. That just feels like good manners, I think. Good classic style Southern manners. Shout out to everybody hanging out here by the way. Please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, leave a comment again. It really does matter for this channel in particular. Trying to grow here, trying to get to those 3,000 subs, and every time you hit the like button on a video, whether it be this one or another one, does help it get seen by more people in the feeds as recommendations. That's something that uh, I've been actively tracking the data on. So, uh, that's me as your humble mom and pop YouTube creator uh, to ask you to hit the like button for anybody out there that you want, you know, you want to do well. If you don't want to do well then just walk away, just go just whistle and walk or Homer Simpson, your way through the bushes. Yeah, there we go. Subtle collusion only. Yeah, funny. Somebody had asked to, uh, in one of the comments on one of mine in peach streams, like, Oh, is it like an issue for you guys to both be in the same room and like maybe leaving picks the other one might want. And it's like, I guess a theory that would be the kind of thing that if like there were streamers are actually working together and collaborating anyway, <laughs> that would be a negative for us. I think working with Pete, he'll actively take guys that I'm like, oh, cool, I would love to get Terrace Marshall here at the end. And Pete's like, yeah, Terrace Marshall, boy, got to grab him here uncorrelated for no reason. So I think we are the one stream out there that is firmly safe with hours and hours of video of us actively sabotaging each other, <laughs> whether it be directly or indirectly. And interesting teams here? Let's see how did this guy recover Four early running backs. So again, this is the way to do it. If you are going to do it four early running backs, then hammered receiver. He really is probably the most affected by the run at receiver though, because his top five Deontay, who again, I vocalized, but I shouldn't be a wide receiver one for you. Evans, Quentin Johnson, Jameson Williams, Alan Lazard. That is a tough, uh, quintuplet. Yeah. Good. Tough quintuplet of receivers to be rolling out there. So That's the risk you run when you do spam running back this early. You might feel great about your running back room, but the receiver room is pretty woof, pretty woof you going to do more NFL showdown breakdowns next season. The Algos served up the Jags-Jets breakdown from December. That was really sharp and well-produced. Yeah, the, definitely will be doing the showdown breakdowns again. That's still the, the DFS format I think is the most exploitable. Um, I'm not sure. I Hopefully we'll be able to get stochastic sims this year um, for free will be my hope. Uh, but if not, I guess maybe I'll pay for it. Uh, but we'll try to be doing those again because I do like the showdowns. And I think that was kind of the, good, the, the ideal content for – our audience of uh, you know, like dads who can't pay attention <laughs> during the course of a day, and don't want to spend hours and whatever. So I'll try to do those again this year, but I have to figure out what our in season flow is going to be. Um, I know Pete's going to, I don't know if he said this publicly, but I think going to do less content in season this year because um, a lot of his bread's buttered, obviously with the preseason best ball stuff. Um, so I don't, you know, for me, I'm going to have to figure it out as we go. But, of course, if you are a part of the Splash Play community, whether you are a paying member who can join down below and get 10 team reviews from me a month um, or more, like, you know, but 10 is the cap that I've put on paper. Um, You can do that. But anybody who wants to chime in here about what you want to see from us this season and me in particular this season, i uh, definitely happy to take notes. And the showdown ones, I think, make sense from a content flow. I just love the big prize pools for showdowns too, Um, you know beatable contest format, or at least a contest format where there are ways to get unique plus high prize pools. That's always the kind of stuff that speaks to me. All right. This is working out really well. So Dalton Schultz comes back at a slight discount here. So he will be our second tight end. We do have six receivers in. I don't think we need KJ Osborne at this point, a guy who did show some spike weeks last year, but I think Roshan makes more sense at running back here. So let's do that. And then let's put CJ Stroud in the queue just so I know when he's coming up, but got about 40 picks for Stroud. So we're safe there. This room is treating me well. That is true. This room has been working out well for me with getting my guys where I want. And that's why too, I'm just not going to reach for guys too much. I mean, obviously on some of these videos, I kind of have to. For a team like Houston, I think you don't have to reach. You can kind of let them fall to you and take the configuration the room gives you. So like if I get Singletary at some point, that would be pretty great too. Um, if I don't, you know, then I won't have one of the running backs. I have enough Singletary to not feel bad about it. And I have enough red flags for Pierce that I won't feel bad about it. So we already have a double stack for Houston. That works out well. So, castle membership is a big expense for me, at least. That's one of the things where, you know, um, for when, you know, our probably app is pretty close to getting out. I'll give out some freebies to people, you know, who I consider to be important partners and whatever. If you have, a, if you're a person who's gotten the freebies in the past, like you know, I worked at Stochastic from the beginning, was there for the first three years of the site's existence. I think I should just get the freebies in perpetuity. Like I think <laughs> I think that I'm enough of a foundational piece to what they've done there. So I don't want to pay for it out of principle, but yes, if I had to pay for it, it is an expense that's worth it. And I think too, you know, anything Stochastic data-wise, if you're deciding between that and another site out there, I would pay for Stochastic. Like if nothing else, is the best read on the entire market uh, because of the fact that so many people use those projections. So like. Um, I know on Lulz, they were talking about it with Justin McMahon, uh, McMahon, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, Uh, but we're talking about it with him on that show that they did yesterday. And he's like, yeah, unique projections are the best thing you can do. Absolutely. Like, yes, having unique projections that are still within the range of expectation is a good thing, but also knowing where the market is, like that's the value of a stochastic, of a roto grinders, of an ETR sub. Just knowing how people will play based off those median outcomes uh, can sometimes be the most important strategy. Chase Claypool going at 153. That's not usual. Why did he do that? Does he, he doesn't even have fields. All right. So that's part of why I think we're getting (laughs) some values here is this guy is drafting a little bit out of pocket. They're not crazy out of pocket, just on chase Claypool. I'm not, Oh, when my, Oh, cause the ETR, I said the ETR projections are good. Like they're another one, like for football, I think a little more ubiquitous than basketball, but you know, I don't know. I don't know their numbers. But I know what the stochastic ones like when I see like a tournament field for NBA, for MLB, for NFL, it's like, yeah, you could tell who's using stochastic data because like they are kind of aligning with all the other avatars of stochastic data. Um, you know, but it's the same for run pure, same for all that, though I think run pure maybe a little bit less on the projection level and more in like a hey, you gotta play Aaron Judge today. The Yankees, what a shocker! High run total for them. Play Aaron Judge. I don't know. I don't know enough to be mean. Yes, please do not snipe CJ room. The good news is nobody wants CJ Stroud for the most part, so that's probably not going to be an issue. Uh, My Stroud exposure, though, right now, he is my fourth highest exposed QB, 10.5% exposure. Uh, So I am, uh, again, managing my QB exposures really tightly, really tightly, besides AR, who is going to be the one outlier. Everybody else, I don't think I'll have a QB above 16%. I might not have a QB above 12% besides AR, to be honest. Uh, shout out to all you guys hanging out with me too. I appreciate Friday here. Um, always fun to do these streams bright and early. And then anybody who watches over the weekend too, I always see the comments coming through from the people that watch after the fact. So appreciate all you hanging out with me here. Genuinely. Uh, this is fun for me always to do this stuff. Um, that's why I do it. So <laughs> not for the riches guys. It is for the fun of it. Um, and I appreciate all you guys hanging out. I did watch lulls. I did watch the entire episode. It wasn't as interesting to me as, um, as the, uh, run peer stuff was, but still interesting to hear. You know, like I think McMahon's a sharp guy, um, who I think is, you know, certainly worth listening to. So good on that front. Um, let me make my pick here, though. 1462. I'm gonna want to take a late receiver for Houston. Boy, Jordan Love is falling so much. This might be, this might be an okay three QB build spot. Let's do it. Jordan Love. And then Stroud. Yeah, you know what? Let's just get Stroud. Let's just get Stroud. Not worth the risk. I do think he'll come back based upon that. um, you know, Based upon the fact that Love was there so late. But again, I have this bet on Watson. I have this bet on Minnesota Green Bay. Um, I don't mind the Week 17 correlated QBs, but I do think if you're going to do it, having a third QB kind of makes sense. So there we go. We got our Houston stack. We got Jordan Love. I think those are luxury picks at QB or, you know, Love was a luxury QB, uh QB, but at 168, I found it hard to pass on Jordan Love when I have Watson already. And I think Musgrave would be an interesting third tight end here um, to get a unique build, but I don't mind it. Raise it took the New Orleans wide receiver three over the Carolina wide receiver one. And it feels good. Um, Terrace Marshall has not been drafted yet. So I don't know what you're talking about. Um, where, where's raise it here. Rashid Shahid. Rashid Shahid was a, an incredible outlier last year in his EPA numbers. Um, he's one of those guys that like I find it hard to make sense of in real football. Uh, he was a guy that I was drafting earlier before before they brought back Michael Thomas and you know seemingly committed a little more that way. Shahid had a .79 EPA per target and a forty four percent receiving DVOA, which would be the highest marks of any player who ran definitely ran more than fifteen rats per game. Uh, might be the highest out of anybody who ran more than like five rats per game. Um, Shahid was so good last year where it feels impossible to be able to do that again. Uh, 86% deep ball catch rate that should come down. Um, especially if the volume increases a little bit, but he's good enough that, you know, especially for best ball format, I think Shahid's still worth taking overall, especially if you believe in, you know, new Orleans and you believe in Derek Carr's ability. And I think Derek Carr, like they paid him so much money. They're going to be very uh, much playing, I think to his play style more. And that's part of why, too, I'm a little bit down on Taysom Hill is just that I think that Derek Carr is going to be out there playing 99% of the QB snaps. And it's also going to be a more vertical offense. And I just think that doesn't bode quite as well for Taysom getting the same gimmicked up touches, Um, as well as just having more players at running back to kind of go to. uh, They clearly didn't want to use Kamara too much last year. So I think that's something that uh, definitely rings true for me. Also didn't get Singletary here, um, which I'm just now kind of uh, immensely lining up here. Don't think it matters that much. Again, like for the stack portion of this thing, if I can get a full alpha stack, that's great. If I get a two-man stack, that's also a thing I don't mind here. Um and Singletary is just a guy that I have more than enough of that I don't mind not getting him in this particular draft, but I would have had to reach for him, I think, to get him. And I don't think that made the most sense either. It is what it does. Rough gigs to in a fantasy projection site slash content factory. That it is. It's I've been surprised too. the biggest revelation to me with the run peer stuff. when they're talking about that on lulls was how much those guys were paying out. Um, I know the stochastic team basically foregoed their salary, like the, the founding team foregoed their salary and might still be foregoing it Um, now, you know, uh, five years in. Uh, so like, I think that's something that, you know, uh, I was surprised here. Those guys were paying themselves 200 grand a year. Because uh, that's not the way that it goes. I also think, candidly, and I would I would tell you know Tom, the Stochastic CEO, I think they've hired too many people. Not on the content creator side as much, but like they have ten back of house people doing the job of one. I kind of think um, from what I've seen. But that's you know me obviously having been in the weeds a little bit. Uh, but it all comes down to how you run the business. Like for probably you know it's going to be me and our CTO, and then we're going to have a lot of affiliates who will hopefully pay good money to for helping us sign people up. And then we'll have some more tech people we bring on. But for the most part. Um, I don't want to hire up too much because if you start giving out these big salaries to a bunch of people, um, that's going to be the kind of thing that you can't dig out of and you can't work around and salaries plus equity, uh, seems like we're the real danger point for, for DFI, uh, and Justin McMahon's site. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I view it differently though. Cause I actually, you know, I've started businesses before I had my site guy as I'm acquired many moons ago, helped Barstool kind of figure out their stuff before we got uh, acquired by the churning group. And then they got acquired by Penn after I left. Um, so I view it differently than some people out there do, for sure. But it, honestly, the main lesson I learned from Guyism is like have less full-time employees have more contractors and then treat your contractors well. Like we still gave bonuses out to our contractors and whatever, still did the best we could to make them feel like real people. But, like if you're paying, 7 to 10 people 50k to 150k like and you can't get out of that it's just more stress on you too as an independent owner where it's like i had people who were married people who were divorced and had kids were working for me when i had my site and it's like I, i hated that feeling of like oh if we somehow fuck up like i'm letting these people down and their families down which is like the the scariest thing um i have a lot of chase brown and i'm not gonna stop doing that here chase brown come on down I also don't think Stroud was going to come back to me here, so I feel pretty good about that leap there. Um, Might be done at running back. Might take one more. But that's neither here nor there. Is this a Robert Woods build? I don't really believe in Robert Woods enough being able to stay on the field, but... I'm going to take Robert Woods here, I think. He is a guy... That's basically it. And there's no there's no follow-up thought <laughs> besides that. He is a guy. Dot dot dot. He's a guy in the NFL who's been a vet. God, he was so bad in Tennessee, right? Let me make sure that he was as bad as I think he was. Oof. Negative 0.62 EPA per target for Woods last year, which is really bad. I know he didn't play a lot. I know he's no, this is Michael Woods. Hold on. Sorry. Whew, thank God. Like that can't be right. Uh, Robert Woods, Lonnie Woods, too many Woodses. Okay, Woods was okay. 0.05 EBA per target. Negative 16% DVOA is not good. Also, Woods played 17 games last year. How how was he that bad? All right. So Robert Woods was not good. I I can't talk myself into that one. Robert Woods was not good. Um, I'd almost rather take the mystery box, and I do usually take the mystery box, a tank Dell, Um, Oregon, Xavier Hutchinson, who I'll play on a flag for one more time is like an 18th round, 20th round DK pick. That's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, Woods was not good. Woods was not good. (laughs) Woods, yeah, Woods over tank. If we're if we're going with what I think this video should be, I don't think that Woods is the right move. I think I'm correct in saying you don't need Pierce, like you can get singletary. Yeah, with this room especially where I have like pretty good receiver draft capital here with guys like Jefferson, Watson, Ayuk, Dotson, like these guys are all involved. I think I would have been better off taking taking tank here. And I could still take tank if I want. But woof. Uh this guy started running back running back running back has four QBs. Okay. Rogers, Wilson, Kyler, Purdy, do they all correlate? No, they don't all correlate. Yeah, so the, I mean, RW2 did something weird. I would not draft RW2's team. I don't think it makes the most sense. He doesn't have any Week 17 correlations, it looks like. Doesn't really stack up his guys. Um, probably a dead money entry for RW2. But he'll feel good about it because he got the four early running backs, and like his points will look good for having the four early running backs. Um, Until they don't, until it all falls apart in the playoffs. Spags, Woods is recovering from knee surgery. That's usually a full... He's also so old. Like, I mean, look, Robert Woods the USC guy, as we've talked about here. I'm willing to defend the USC guys a little bit more. Um, Woods is 31 years old. Any ACL injury over 25 has a lower chance of recovery and full return to form. Um, So I don't think that would be the reason why. But yeah, for Woods, you can sort of, here's the thing is that I believe enough in Stroud that I think you can talk yourself into the bet on any of these guys. Like Stroud to me is the best pure pocket password in this class. I think AR does some more interesting things for fantasy. Tank Dell goes to this fucker. <laughs> the, the one pick makes no sense for him, but made sense for me. All right, so no Tank Dell. Point being, Stroud's good enough that you could talk, make me talk myself into any of the receivers. Um, and none of them are so great analytically. That's like this guy has to be a world beater tank. Dell's too small and also like didn't play great college competition. Um, Nico Collins hasn't shown a ton of the pros besides maybe being a fractional amount of Brandon cooks, Robert Woods is old and injured and didn't do shit in Tennessee last year. Um, but that said, if Stroud is good, he's going to prop up all these boats. I think the safest Texans receiver is probably Schultz just because he's going to be out there a bunch. I don't think they're going to go back to the Brevin Jordans of the world quite as much. Um, so I think that's probably the safest Texan. If you want to go that way, uh, three, five, seven, two. And just because we couldn't get tank, I am going to take Xavier Hutchinson here. Um, Barely get drafted to 16 ADP, but that's the kind of player that I'm willing to go to. So our final team here, Cousins, Love, Stroud at QB. Henry, Madison, Rashad Penny, Roshan Johnson, Chase Brown at running back. I think you can make the case that I could have taken one more running back late just because it did thin out a little bit with Roshan and especially Chase Brown. At receiver, Justin Jefferson, Christian Watson, Brandon Auk, Jahan Dotson, Sky Moore, Nico Collins, Robert Woods, and Xavier Hutchinson. And then a tight end, Hocketson and Schultz. This was not a three tight end build, so I feel good about that one. Uh, let's label it. Let's start another wheel spin here in a moment. Uh, but, uh, I don't know why I forced you guys to watch me label this, <laughs> but I am going to do it. Spag Stacks, Houston, Minnesota. I'm going to mark this with an X. I think it was an interesting team. All right. Let me go back to the wheel. Let's see who we're going to do next here on SPAG Stacks. Who will be the second stack that I get today? Uh, I had a brief panic attack before the stream because the wheel had disappeared and it made me refresh. But thankfully, the wheel of names here does save your wheel, so we're good on that front. All right, Texans are out. Let's spin it. Let's see what we get for our second draft. Cowboys. How about them, Cowboys? I have complicated feelings for the Cowboys this year. Um, Really don't love the switch to Mike McCarthy calling plays really think brian schottenheimer being the architect of it all looks pretty bad but i am in a bbm4 draft room again three million dollars to first place in best Ball media Four. if you're not familiar so get in there now the the preeminent the flagship tournament uh, of best ball is what best ball media four is of course i'm also drafting on DraftKings too though not on stream these days uh but definitely you know i think that's worth putting some money in as well just because you are getting softer rooms the bbm is where i have the most fun where i think you have the most sharp drafters with you obviously on stream especially uh <laughs> 101 have you guys seen me have a 101 before what a what a treat rigged wow cowboys from one is tricky that's true this is probably not a cd lamb team probably not a cd lamb team (laughs) this is absurd yeah, look, I can't help that I've got the golden touch here. Of course, Justin Jefferson with how I'm getting 101s is gonna fucking hurt himself in training camp. Uh, but yeah, this is <laughs> here we go. Pollard 101. No, that will not be the case. This this is still Justin Jefferson here. I like if anything, I'm gonna get a Dak Brandon Cook's Luke Schoenmacher stack is what I'm gonna get for Dallas, but um will not take CeeDee Lamb first overall. That much I can tell you. God, people really want me to take Pollard. I don't think he's worth it. I don't think he's worth it. I'll take Zeke at fucking 200. Um, Justin Jefferson, come on down. (laughs) I'm like embarrassed (laughs) that this happened again. Let me update the banner too. But jeez, an embarrassment of riches here. I'm actually curious how much Jefferson I have now because it's clearly only happening on streams, I think. Let's see. In BBM right now, I have 10.8% Justin Jefferson. So I have not, numerically, this is not a crazy outlier. You'd expect this to come down to the 8. point Whatever percent that you get as a natural exposure to anything. So I'm not as ahead of the curve as it may seem currently on this stream, guys, just so you're aware. And also, I really think that underdog, like based on what underdog gives me relative to some other people out there, I don't think that I'd be the one. They're like, yes, yeah, fucking load this guy up with 101s. So <laughs> now that any of you out there actually think it's rigged to be clear, but in case I need to defend against that point. Um, yeah. <laughs> you actually have 100.8% Jefferson. I wish though. Honestly, though, if there's anybody who killed my finalist teams last year, it was Justin Jefferson. Like it was Jalen Hurts on DraftKings. And I had a Hurts lineup that had two as the other QB. That one was just dead in the water for the finals there. It had two DraftKings uh, finalist teams. And that one I was like, this isn't even fucking worth it because I'm going to have no points at QB. Um, Jefferson though, not showing up in that week 17 last year, really hurt, <laughs> really hurt everything. Um, and then with that, with my BBM finalists as well, having such heavy Cincinnati Buffalo for that, um, really was a double whammy of your 101 not going off. And then also Cincinnati Buffalo, not even playing or playing, you know, for fractional amounts of points, I think is what I ended up counting for Joe Burrow who was my only QB left uh, with Trey Lance, of course, being dead in the water. So yeah, that's, that's one of those that, uh, Ooh, Jefferson, I'm always happy to get him, but hard to forget how badly he shit the bed in the playoffs last year. Doesn't mean I would penalize him this year, but that was terrible. That was actively terrible. What he did in the playoffs last year. Anyway, CD Lamb goes to D-Marks here. Um, Amon Ra goes to Max Coop. So we're losing some of those early correlations. I think it's possible that Tony Pollard comes back to me. If he doesn't, then I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not going to die about it. <laughs> the SPAG stacks are still just a genuine effort here. It's not about not about making me draft stupidly. I blame Kirk TBH. I don't know. I don't think that was Kirk's fault. I think there were some flaws in uh in Jefferson's game that came up a little bit, especially with just them not having another weapon to get the ball to to kind of decrease the pressure on him. And Thielen was not that guy. So if you're drafting Thielen heavy in Carolina, expecting him to be the wide receiver one, um, a, a that's a you know mistake based on the age and all that, but also like he added such little value to that offense down the stretch. Like KJ Osborne looked better, you know, being a vessel to take attention away from Jefferson than than I think Thielen did. So I'm not again, I'm not gonna hold it against Jefferson, but Uh, I don't, I would definitely wouldn't hold it against Kirk either. Like Kirk is Kirk's like Jimmy G. He's just a vessel QB, a guy who's going to take what the offense gives you kind of be strategic about that. Um, I think that's stuff that all looks good. Line of scrimmage here is in the chat. I love what he's doing here. Tyreek reach for Andrews. I think he's going to try to get Lamar on the way back. Obviously uh, Lamar and Mark Andrews occur a little bit more as falling ADP guys lately, but I think that Mark Andrews with Miami always going to look pretty good to me. And if you can get Lamar too, uh, that would look pretty great. Maybe I can get Watson again. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I can reach for him over <laughs> time. I don't think I'm going to take, I'm not going to reach for Watson in this spot. I don't think. Let's see what Luke Big Shots does here. All right. We got Tony Pollard, guys. We did it. Dallas is live. We're going to get this team not through C.D. Lamb. Do I just reach for Watson again here? Is that, is that really what we're doing? Or do I take another Henry share? So many badges in here, though. We are going to bleed out at receiver pretty fast. I'm going to get ahead of it and take Metcalf. And again, you can make the case for me to take Watson, but but I just did it. <laughs> so that's that's how my brain works, is that if I just reach for Watson, I'm not going to do it again here. Yeah, there we go. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. That uh, was Andrews or Pollard for him. You're welcome. Thank you, line of scrimmage. I appreciate you supporting the SPAG stacks, even when the room doesn't want to support it um, in terms of my draft position. Um, I appreciate you guys being willing to go along with the ride here for this exercise. Go Cowboys. Go Brian Schottenheimer. I do think, though, CD Lamb, you know, I think he's less valuable in his current ADP uh, just because A, and Brandon Cooks, like, That's where the deep shots are going to go. There aren't going to be a lot of deep shots. Gallup being recovered, you know, another year away from his injuries. Like that's a positive thing for him as well. Um, So this is a little bit of cope. Absolutely. But I do think CD lamb, I think you can stack up the Cowboys and get week 17 value from the Cowboys without having CD lamb. Obviously you always want the alpha target earner. Like that's how I build my stacks uh, always for the most part. But I think that if you are going to get, you know, in a position where it doesn't make sense, logically, you shouldn't take CeeDee Lamb unless he fell to 24, which it wasn't going to happen. Um, I don't, I think you can say like, you're not, you're not dead in the water on a cowboy stack just because you don't have CeeDee Lamb. So <laughs> here I did promise Tyler, I'll read all of his horny chats because he is a member here on the Splashway channel. Don't do it. My wife screams, but guess what? I'm a booty man. What can I say? Love the veiled threat of non-consent. <laughs> That's yes. should have maybe read that one. It's in my head before reading it aloud. But that's my promise here. If you are a splash play member, if you're giving me $4.99 a month, A, I'll review the shit out of your teams and give you my honest feedback. And B, I'll read your horny texts and chats whenever you please. Um, unless they're like directed at me and like, hey, specs, like look uh, you're six one, huh? You six one everywhere kind of thing. And may, those maybe I won't read out loud and respond to as much. Though we all love to be ejectified sometimes, I suppose. Maybe not women. Probably don't know, yeah. (laughs) But as fellas, as fellas we do. No weird teams so far. Connor going for a pure 0RB build, which I always love. Garrett Wilson, Navante Adams, Brees Hall for AJ Squires. Interesting mix here too. Like a lot of our familiar names, Carlos in the chat, line of scrimmage in the chat, Alex Berg, usually watching and drafting, uh, but not necessarily in the chat. Luke big shots. I presume is somebody in the chat, but these guys here, I don't know who D marks is. I don't know who Cade boy is. Um, don't know who AJ squires is. So we have a few wild cards here that could give us an interesting room potentially. See what Connor, so Connor going, Connor going for it. See with where Connor is right now. I would say two more rounds of receiver and then you're done. And then you're done until maybe the 17th or 18th round. Um, Radicalized zero RB is the one draft that like, if the room lines up for it well, and you're not reaching like crazy for your receivers, I think that is still an advantage to go to a full radicalized zero RB and try to make it work. Oh, there. Okay. Connor's in chat. There we go. So Connor is going for it. A lot of great data behind a six receiver build where you just killed the position early and that's it. the hard part can be getting your stacks with that. But I think if you're strategic about it, like he's still live for Watson love, which is a stack that I enjoy. Um, he can get Pittman on the way back. Potentially um, get Pittman and AR that would look pretty good. Obviously for me. Um, yeah, I think the to me, the, the six rounds of receivers and then cutting it off an undervalued play because it's so easy to fall into the running back trap this year or, you know, trap even if you think they're good it's just easy it's very comfortable to take a running back in those first few rounds and i think if you don't um you're gonna be in a much smaller pool than you were even last year and that was still a pretty small pool last year like i can tell you my zero rb teams which were like 90 percent of my portfolio those things were explosive and there was not a lot of duplication in them in my individual rooms and pods this year if you really go a rat even more radicalized version of zero rb you are going to be on an island and you know And if you're drafting strategically and taking advantage of ADPs, I think you're going to feel pretty good about it. Uh, Minnesota, Seattle, Dallas. Nothing too interesting coming up here. I don't want to do the exact same draft I just did. I guess let's, let's take Walker. Don't take a lot of Walker, but I have the bet on Seattle, so that's okay. Kirk. I can get Carolina late. God, I just wish there was anybody from Detroit or Dallas in this range that would help me build it out. Uh, I still like Hawkinson. I'm going to take Kirk here. Just going to draft a little bit against type for myself. I don't take a lot of Kenneth Walker. I have a lot more Charbonnet, but because I have so much Charbonnet, I do think that uh, now is the time of year for me to start being like, all right, if Walker is available in a room and the ADP is not crazy, I'll take some Walker. Um, and you can make the same case for Damian Pierce like a, that I kind of went against in the previous draft. Um, those are the kind of logical things in your own brain that you got to navigate and work around. Uh, but for me, trying to balance a portfolio, like if I get to 4 to 8% Walker, that's probably the right move because I'll have 20% Charbonnet. Love the Jefferson Pollard starts. Shout out Den Down. Shout out. Appreciate all you guys hanging out with me here. Very much seeing the regulars. Always a joy to me, but seeing new names too is much of a joy. I, I actually tried some different SEO on this uh, YouTube title too, just to see if you can get some more of the the noobs in, the casuals in, because I enjoy hearing from everybody. I might disagree with your takes. I might say shit that you think is completely wrong. Um, I'm telling you, it comes from a place of all the research in the world and, and more man hours than I would want to admit publicly uh, that I put into this stuff. But Um, definitely something where I'm happy to see everybody in here and would like to see, I would like to literally see everybody on YouTube who's watching the best ball draft be in here telling me, Hey, what Deontay Johnson's great. And I'm like, fuck, why did I wish this? Why did I monkey's paw this one? Corey saying W I presume that just means it's a W draft, which I'll, I accept. This is going to be a unique draft for me. I definitely do not have a lot of Jefferson, Pollard, Metcalf, Walker starts. Kirk, too, is a guy that I have more Ridley than Kirk, I think, by a good margin. Uh, let me see. How much Kirk do I have? Oh, Kirk is a, currently a fade for me. 5% Kirk. 12% Ridley. So that, okay. That makes sense to balance that out, then. I'm all right with that. <laughs> Devin Singletary is, five, six. is that's not That's not his real height, is it? Let's see. Evan Singletary height. 5'7". Oh, so, yeah, there we go. He gained a whole inch just from that Google. No, that's small. I mean, it makes sense, too, why he's been a little more effective as a pass catcher than a runner. That's part of why, too, to go back to the Roshan thing, um, you can't teach fucking 6'2", 240. Like you can't teach that kind of stuff for a Roshan. I might be misquoting a size, but he's an enormous mountain of a man who like moves piles. Um, that's one of those things where if you want to, you know, say, oh, Singletary's is five, six, like he's not big enough, then you should love a big guy who actually graded out as well as Bijan in a smaller sample size. Um, and Roshan is that guy, uh, out of all the backs who were in a class this year, like anybody above 200 pounds, uh, data wise, you feel a little more confident in, but Roshan just being, having unique skills for goal line touches and an offense that needs unique skills for goal line touches to keep the onus off of Justin Fields. Uh, Roshan is the big-bodied dude that you want, the thick boy, so to speak, that we all want. Why not reach, live a little, and reach for CD with the uniqueness of CD Pollard DK? I don't believe in CD being the wide receiver one. I don't. I don't think that's even possible, personally. Uh, obviously, it's all on a range of outcomes. If I were somebody with a company called Probably that does you know uh, call and and grade sports bets based upon true probability sources, there's definitely not a 0% chance that CD lamb is the wide receiver one, but I think it's zero to 5%. And I don't think that's worth the reach at this point. Like to take CD, I'm passing up Jefferson chase cup Hill Diggs, even AJ Brown, you could say, cause he normally goes ahead of CD lamb. So you're making not just the bet on lamb. You're making a bet that all those guys aren't the wide receiver one, including Jefferson, who I did take. I don't think that's likely. I don't think that's likely. Dance bags really that quickly. Even your day ones don't do it. It's appreciative, but don't do it. It sticks out. You're too good of a guy to do so. Love you. (laughs) Johnny. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not, you know, I will always be myself for the content I create and have the takes I have. But the goal is always to be like as big as possible within reason. Like if we had an audience full of like people, you know, who had no idea what they're talking about, then yeah, that'd be kind of swimming uphill. Um, All right. On the clock here. Great spot for pickings. We'll be taking pickings here. Um, I have enough running backs, so I'm not going to make up on the Pierce thing from last draft. Taking Addison here kind of makes sense. Just nobody Detroit. Um, I guess Montgomery kind of makes sense too, if we are going to make a bet there. <sighs> this is a good receiver pocket though. I'm going to take Addison. I might not double stack Minnesota. Like I might not take Cousins with it, but I think Addison is starting to slide in some rooms. I've noticed it more pronouncedly on DraftKings where he'll fall into the 90s sometimes. Um, but I do think Addison might be a guy who falls a little bit over the next month. And he could come back up if he's like aces in preseason and the camp reports are good. But it does feel like this is now a spot to maybe buy the Addison dip a little bit. But yeah, point being for me though, like with any content you create, like I my hope is always that we can have more people sharpen up at least to what you know, to what Pete and I think is like the best approach for all these sports. But ultimately, like, you know, like the way you succeed is like having a bunch of people who are just playing season long leagues and they're like, I'm curious about best ball. My hope is that we can like help those people get there too, while still like, you know, maintaining the the true course and the true value to what our, our diehard community is. But, you know, I get the indie, the indie punk rock band kind of vibes are always there for any content creator. The only way CD and Pollard get there is if they had an OC like Helen Moore. <laughs> Wait, yeah. That's the part of Dallas that I find the most troubling is that they're being priced like nothing changed this year. Like they're being priced like this offense is going to go like gangbusters. Uh, Zeke's touches are going to go to Tony Pollard. And in reality, the higher likelihood is that Lamb gets less targets because Cook is a true target earner who's going to be doing something different than him. Uh, Gallup being improved, I think the tight ends like Ferguson's not great, but you know he's was pretty good last year, uh, better than Dalton Schultz was on a pure you know advanced analytics metric thing. And also Schumacher was very good uh, last year in college too. So I think the offense is just going to be different than it was last year. So for me, you know, uh, Dallas is probably one of my lowest exposed stacks overall. And I think that, I think a bet against them with where their ADPs are is going to be more profitable than going with them more often than not. But I think the way that I'm building this year, I'm hoping will be a good way to get to Dallas because it's going to be through Pollard and Cooks, hopefully, and hopefully Dak, <laughs> but I don't know. Okay. Yeah. J- Johnny, D- yeah, DM me, DM me whatever you please. I always check my DMs. I have to reply to a few DMS Um, uh, reaching without sacrificing too many projected points is where to do it. CD projects so much worse than the top four guys. It hurts more than it helps. That is also a good way to look at it. But I still think the way where it's like a bet on CD at one Oh one would be a bet against five other guys, six other guys. That's tough. It's tough to make that bet for me. But I guess if we got to like August and I had, you know, 1% CD lamb, maybe I take lamb here at the five through eight spot more. Um, But even that, like I, I, that's like a theoretical game theory thing. I don't know if I actually do that in practice, to be honest. There's value in the Dallas. Oh, there's value in the Dallas dudes for sure. Just a lot of risks to take on to do a full team stack. I agree. I agree. I think the public's enthusiasm for it is just too high. And as I've talked about, you know, and this is me again, being a content creator who did DFS slates for three different sports every day, year round for a few years, whenever there's just that confidence in something, and you know that there's something different that the market's not fully cashing up to, that's where I'm always just like, mm, I think the play style here is to do something different with that. And I would say that's how I feel about Dallas is that people are treating CD lamb. Like he's the same guy going in last year. The offensive coordinator change is such a regressive move for Dallas. Um, Same thing for Pollard. Where like, yeah, theoretically he gets more opportunity. I can tell you, Pollard is one of, my, one of my high exposed guys last year because he was going so late. Now he's going so early. And if like they do the same shit that they did last year and it's like Rojo getting touches or it's a mix of Rojo and Malik Davis. And there isn't even a valuable running back two that comes out of that. I don't think, playing Dallas through Pollard is the best way overall. And Pollard did kind of lose some effectiveness down the stretch last year too, which you might expect from like a, you know, slider back who, um, I don't know, like he's a smaller back. Who's going to be having a less progressive offense, a less creative offense that does scare me enough because, you know, then it comes down to volume and his ability to kind of create value through regular touches. And I think that's a little bit scary for Pollard if they're just running him up the gut, which, frankly, they might do because this is not the sharpest coaching staff now. Fucking Rojo. I think fucking Rojo is worth drafting still. I would honestly take him over Malik Davis just because he's kind of that back that guys like Schottenheimer and McCarthy fall in love with. Frankly, I might take I might take a little bit of a Rojo today. I was taking him earlier in the offseason and I feel like the lack of good news around him has kind of stumped me on that. Um, but I think in this draft, if we're taking Cowboys and uh maybe a little bit light at running back, uh Rojo as like a handcuff could make sense, but but still I, I hate taking like two backs from the same backfield. I still don't think that's the, a plus EV move. All right, on the clock here. All right, this this is nice. Jameson Williams to be our sixth receiver. That works. Wish that Montgomery had fallen back here, but that's okay. We'll get our Dak Prescott instead. So we now are officially stacking Cowboys. We got Dak thrown to Tony Pollard. We got the bring back for Jameson Williams. I like it. I think this is a, an okay way to play Dallas. Would have liked to have gotten Cooks. Where did Cooks go? Cooks went at 75? Is that... That's Carlos. Where did you take... You a Cooks nine spots ahead of ADP. All right. Well, fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. What are we going to do? Where am I at on JT? Um, I think JT is a good play. I just believe a lot in the concepts that Shane Steichen's bringing over. I think, you know, we all know the AR part of it. And now you guys have started to hear me talk more about Pittman. Um, I'm a big believer in that level of genius and coaching. And I watch a lot of Eagles games. My wife is a huge Eagles fan. We're in Philly. Like she's always put it on. So I, every Eagles game, I had some exposure to while still watching Red Zone or like going between the rooms or whatever. Um, that Philly offense last year was my favorite offense to watch. And I hate it because I hate the Eagles. I hate being here. I hate the idea that my son might grow up an Eagles fan if we're stuck in Philly for the next 10 years of our lives. So trust me, I'm just like, I don't want to be an Eagles guy <laughs> that much. That said, Shane Steichen just did some brilliant things and maybe it's possible that it's you know the coaching there that it's Sirianni who's driving a lot of that I don't think so I think it's all Steichen and if Steichen is heating up like he was calling plays last year everybody on the Colts is going to get there and that's I know a hot take I know it's not a market defined take but gosh I really really think that um I I, that's one of my biggest stands It's just that the Colts are going to be money this year. I'm not taking enough Taylor though. If I, if I believe that I have to admit, like I'm still under the 8% on Taylor. Um, That's mostly because I just don't like taking running backs in that pocket. And I still think there's an advantage of going receiver or, or even QB or whatever, but certainly receiver more so. Um, And I also like Mark Andrews a lot. So sometimes it comes down to taking Andrews or a slipping Taylor. Uh, But if Taylor falls a little bit more, I think I will also be there more. Um, just because I think that this Colts offense is like winnable division. Um, also division that should score some points and they're gonna have to keep up with some stuff. Um, and then Syken is my favorite coach in the league, I guess is the best way to put it. I absolutely think. Yeah. So, I mean, this is not part of how I'd project it. They're absolutely going to do the same QB sneak. A lot of teams are going to try that QB sneak thing uh, this year, but yeah, AR, I mean, is the exact same player as Hurts, like high squat guy, like Hurts, I think squats like fucking 700 pounds or some shit. AR is the exact same player on that respect. So he'll get that pile push and they're going to scheme it the same way. And they didn't rule it out in terms of the competition committee stuff. So um, yeah, Indianapolis will certainly do that. But like a lot of teams will do that with QBs who can. So um, who are the QBs who can move a pile like that? I think is a bigger question. Like it's certainly Hurts. It's certainly AR. It's certainly an Allen, I guess, would be able to do it. Um, but it's a unique skill set to have that kind of success rate on a sneak too. Like it's scheme, but it's also like the fact that hurts is such a beast with the lower body strength. JT seems like such a smash on underdog. Yeah, I mean look, if you're if you're taking running backs in this range, I mean, I would take Taylor over Saquon. Chubb I do like a little bit more than Taylor. Uh, but Chubb I think is coming up a little bit more. Like it wouldn't surprise me to see Chubb and Bijan flip um, Bijan falls in enough rooms and I think people are catching up to the idea that Bijan is fancy Tyler Algier um know, yeah, I've, I've said that in YouTube comments to people Chubb though is like if Cleveland is good Chubb is the running back one this year because he was great and I know people sometimes look at like DVOA and, and EPA per rush numbers that I cite um as like, oh, that's not great or whatever. Like it doesn't matter. It's small sample size stuff. Chubb had as much touch as anybody in the league and was fantastic in both those metrics. And when you combine the volume with the guy who's fantastic per touch, that's where you find the legendary upside, I believe. Um, and I think that Chubb to me is a guy that has that upside at running back. It's just a matter of like philosophically, do I want to start taking running backs that often You know, in the second round? That I don't know. That I tend to, for myself, love going receiver more. Um, But numerically, if you're going to talk me into anybody in this range, cheap Henry is nice. Chubb, though, Chubb could beat all of them, and it just wouldn't shock me. If he catches three, like if he has like a Derrick Henry thing where Henry all of a sudden last year caught a few more passes, Chubb is easy running back one, I think, most weeks. And Cleveland, too, is a team that would love to build an early lead. And then I don't know if the defense is good enough to do that, but would love to build an early lead and just run Chubb over and over again. And he'll break 80-yard touchdowns when he's getting those fucking, you know, second and 10 carries for nothing. Um, Like, or that should be for nothing, rather. Uh, That's where Chubb, I think, really stands out. But Taylor is the same thing. Like, I think that Taylor and and, uh, Chubb are not dissimilar bets. Chubb just gets so many touches. Yeah, he does. And again, he was like good catching passes last year. They just didn't use him for that. And this year they might have to. Um, I'm going to take more Chubb. I think it sucks because like I'm going to get him where the price is coming up. But I have so much forward uh, that I think I'm going to take some Chubb a little bit more coming up um, in this next few months. All right. We're on the clock here. Kirk falls. Um, I think I just take Kirk here. Like well, I'm not going to overthink this. Kirk is... We got double-stacked Minnesota. That works. And Gino's already gone, too. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Damian Harris doesn't correlate with anything here. But I don't think there's anything else that does either. So Damian Harris, third running back. That works, too. Not the sexiest two picks here, but a, a value on Cousins. Um, it's the only way I was going to take him in this draft after taking him last time out. You really consider that a reach? It was either Cooks or Quentin Johnston. Um, it's nine picks ahead of ADP for Cooks when Cooks sometimes falls. And again, like I'll, I'll cite the Hayden Winks data thing where it's it is a curve of flatness where um, you know, like it's 12 picks past ADP. If you take a guy 12 picks early, every time somebody's taking 12 picks after obviously that makes sense to how ADPs work. But for a guy like Cooks, especially, um, I just see him go late enough that I wouldn't reach for him. Um, Quentin Johnson, I've said before though, like he's my bailout guy where if I feel thin at receiver, I'd notice you're reaching for Quentin Johnson. Cause I think, you know, the bet on him is really just that he ends up being in line with where Williams and Allen go. And then that's 40 spots ahead of where Quentin Johnson's going right now. Um, and Johnson too, was like one of my favorite rookie receivers. So I'm, I'm a little more biased towards Quentin Johnson, but I, I don't begrudge you doing it, Carlos. I just think that, um, I would try to let cooks come to me more in rooms. Comes down to Chubb getting checked down, looks to be truly legendary. That is true. Um, uh, My worry about Chubb is that the way to beat Cleveland is going to, or the way to beat Cleveland is going to be running the ball, and they want to run the ball. He'll get touches and maybe in a lot of slow games, I suppose. The way that Watson plays inherently kind of runs in contrast to that, so I don't think that's the case. I really think that Cleveland's going to be more explosive downfield this year because they showed some signs of it last year but couldn't quite get there. You know, Watson not practicing all that time, and frankly, Brissette, was a better version of what that offense was anyway. Um, but like you saw Chubb have some good games alongside Brissett. You saw Mari Cooper have some great games alongside Brissett. So really you just need Watson to be as good as Brissett was last year. And I do think that's um, a decent probability outcome. Like I think it's, I mean, Watson, there are numbers out there that support that he's been a top five QB every year that he's played basically um, and gotten a full run of it. And I think that's certainly the case here. He runs enough, like he creates value. Uh, I guess the one thing for Watson, you could say that hurts Chubb is like, A, the fact that Watson runs enough is going to naturally decrease the amount of checkdowns you'll get. And then B, Watson can siphon some touchdowns away by just running a little bit more. And also maybe some you know yardage plays, uh, chunk plays can go Watson's way instead of Chubb. But I just think if the offense is good, like the the main observation I had from teams that I had last year that were good was I made asymmetrical bets, uh, could you, drink if you are doing the Pete Overs that drinking game. I made asymmetrical bets on teams that were going to be really good. And like the Bengals, uh, the Eagles, like the dolphins, like those are the teams that really stood out for me. I'm sure there's some others that I'm not for not fully thinking about uh, actually Gino. I had one Gino Seattle team that I'd made a pretty big bet on that worked that well. So the main thing is like just capturing what it means if this team is good. And if a team is good, they're scoring more points than not unless they're, you know, they're really defensively good, but there's no reason to think that Cleveland should be a defensive world beater. Um, so I just think you can make a bet on Watson, Chubb, Cooper with some confidence. And if Cleveland's good, like those guys are going to eat barring injury. Uh, How do you feel about taking an entire backfield like Gibson, Montgomery or Kamara Williams Miller and banking? One of them gets there that week. Uh, That is one of my least favorite plays to make overall. Um, I think you can make the case for certain ambiguous backfields uh, for sure. But I think that when you are making the bets on all those guys, you're kind of making bets against them at the same time. And the best thing you can do for yourself is to get right. That Kendra Miller explodes when you need him to. And like, you know, um, even Robinson and Gibson, like, I think that it's unlikely both those guys have meaningful roles. The B enemy part of that kind of gives me pause about that particular example. Uh, But for Miami's backfield too, like the way that A-Chain really succeeds is that uh, Mostert and Wilson aren't as involved and they could still have okay games, but not enough games to matter over the course of a season. Um, So I think that's why I like making one bet, but there's enough people out there. I know Leone's kind of talked about the ambiguous backfields. I would still limit it to two. Like I wouldn't go the three New Orleans guys, but you can make a case that like just betting on an ambiguous backfield and getting that right and making it so it's hard to get wrong. I guess would still be an okay thing to do. And again, I think Leone's as sharp as anybody out there. So if he's saying it, you know, perfectly fine by me. Um okay, on the clock again, 2360. This feels like a Kendre Miller spot for one pick. Oh, there's so much Kendra, but whatever. He's the best pick in this range. And then Algier or Roshan. I'll take more Algier. Though actually, I could use a tight end. And I do. No, you know, Skymore was the last draft. Uh, I'll take Algier here. So a QB, Dak, Cousins, uh, running back, Pollard, Walker, Harris, Kendra Miller, Tyler Algier, a receiver, Jefferson, Metcalf, Kirk, Pickens, Addison, Jameson Williams, and no tight ends left or no tight ends yet, rather. What do I need to do here down the home stretch? I could take a Musgrave for a Green Bay bring back. I could take Hurst for a Jacksonville bring back. Yeah, we got a lot of outs left at, at tight end, so that's fine. Thank you, Charlie. Whenever I can get it from a fellow drafter here, drafting right next to me, line of scrimmage, of course, one of the top finishers in last year's BBM as well, so give him, give him his full flowers. Uh, very glad to hear that you think I'm drafting a solid team. <laughs> Death Taxes and Tyler Algier. The, the thing with Tyler Algier, obviously, there's a much less clear path to him being a bell cow back this year. That said, he is now fantastic leverage against B. John Robinson, and I, I will defend that one to the death. Um, Best rookie running back last year in advanced analytics. If if Damian Pierce had done what Tyler Algier did last year, I'd be all over Damian Pierce more so. Uh, but he did not produce in the same way Algier did, and one of the quietest thousand yard rookie rushing receivers, you will uh, rookie rookie rushing seasons. Boy, that was tough to say Uh, that you will ever see is what Tyler Algier had last year. But that's also why, you know, that's why Bijan could also be the running back one. If I were to make like a, a true bet, and I don't know where you'd make this bet on like fantasy points for the year. I would bet Bijan Chubb. Maybe Taylor. No, Taylor's going to lose enough to AR that he probably couldn't be the running back one. But I think in terms of these guys being the outlier finisher, I would highlight Chubb and Robinson being much more likely to be the running back one than McCaffrey for me and and my play style. I think McCaffrey loses a lot to Mitchell this year. And I think he did last year too, but people just kind of want to plug their ears about it. 25% Algier, love to hear it. How much Kendra do I have? I'll review my exposures here at the end, but heading into this draft, 25% Kendra for me. He was not a guy that I fell in love with in the pre-draft process, but he landed in the best possible spot. Um, The Kamara stuff will probably make him come down a little bit, so that's something that um, I I need to buy the dip to dollar cost Kendra down a little bit, I think but a uh, 30% avoided tackle rate for Kendra positive EPA per rush player, uh, 220 pounds. Those were positive things for Kendra and also, uh, really avoided tackles. Well, when catching a pass, uh, it wasn't the biggest sample size. He only ran nine routes per game, but a 47% avoided tackle rate for Kendra. Uh, when he was catching a ball, um, I would rather have Jameer Gibbs having a 41% avoided tackle rate while running more routes, and getting more targets. But Kendra did show something to me there as like a pass catcher. So, I think there's an ability for him to kind of seize this backfield and Williams, Jamal Williams is kind of dust. I certainly can get some goal line touches and looks, and that wouldn't be a surprise. Uh, But Kamara, like they really fell out of love with Kamara last year. Uh, If you just don't remember, they were giving so many touches to Mark Ingram down the stretch last year that I think they, you know, recognize some stuff in Kamara that maybe gets papered over by having a new QB and Derek Carr has been certainly saying the right things about Kamara, but um, with how they were coaching that and just splitting snaps, uh, if you're putting Ingram out there, you want to put anybody out there. And I think they would want to be very happy to have Kendra Miller be that new feature back. Carlos agrees with me on the CMC Eli take. I mean, yeah, that's the thing that I learned last year, and last year one of my highest exposed players was Naheem Hines uh at running back. So, like, you know, that's was an informative thing for me. Um, it was a, the bet on an offense that's going to be good. Indianapolis ended up being such a bad offense that there was no way for Heinz to even get there, even if he did fully materialize the contingent value of, of Taylor being out as he was for games last year. But it was also that like you want a guy who's got a real role, that like there's a defined way for a good team to use that guy in a real role. And Mitchell had that last year. And the Niners defense is one of the best in the league too. So um, I really think that, to me, Mitchell's one of the better bets to make, uh, especially in a 0RB portfolio. Um, all right, we got a two five six zero. Oh, so we do need some receivers. Oof, don't love this pocket. Uh, I'm gonna take Tim Patrick just to get a body in at receiver while I think about this a little more. God, there's just everything is bled out, huh? Even tight end kind of got bled out. Um. This, is a, this isn't really a six running back build. But I'll take Deontay Foreman here. I have enough enough of Roshan. Did take Tyler Algier here. I do think it's an interesting bet to take two running backs from the same week 17 game, just because there's a good chance that that game does get salted away from one of these guys. Um, but yeah, Foreman, I think, is just an okay value pick. Foreman also, weirdly, on DraftKings, goes substantially higher than he does on Underdog, and I don't really know why but I am going to take three tight ends here down the home stretch. Um, I think is my final three picks. So we'll see what we get there. Uh, somebody had asked about Kyler. Hold on. Let me see if I can find this. So Kyler's news. Oh, what are you doing with the Kyler news? Um, I don't think that news is news. So that's one of the things that I know we've talked about a little bit, you know, Pete pushed back on the idea of like players saying, Oh, this guy's crushing it in camp being a thing as you know, that ends up being reported, but isn't actually a thing that should put you on a player. I think the same thing for Kyler where, um, yeah, of course he wants to play week one that said, you know, he's a guy who's over 25 who's small, who's coming off of this injury that was towards the end of last year. I think it is very difficult for him to be there week one Um, Maybe they don't put him on the pup list to start, which gives you a chance of him starting that first four games. Um, I really think what happens is he gets back out there and and they also don't want to rush him back. They're paying him so much money that, and like they might even want to trade him in the off season. So there's nothing that's motivating them to put him out there in a, a place that's going to risk his health. So my bet is still that he doesn't play till week seven through 10. And by the time that he gets out there, their season is dust. So that's still my main Kyler bet. I have taken him a little bit in drafts just because I think that, um, Marquise Brown is cheap enough. Rondale Moore is still cheap enough. Um, even Connor, if you want to talk yourself into that, that like you should take some bets on Arizona being there, but Arizona is a team that's bottom five odds when the Super Bowl. um, you know, not great in terms of the coaching changeover either. Like they didn't hire anybody who's like a world beater on offense. They hired the Eagles defensive coordinator to be their head coach. And then they hired the Seattle passing game coordinator in the hopes that he can run an offense. Um, you know, Seattle did okay things last year, but I think a lot of that was them running hot with Gino, uh, threading some needles that were very hard for him to thread down the stretch of the season. He, re ran hot is what I feel about Seattle last year. Um, so they've done nothing coaching wise. that makes me think, oh, Arizona is gonna be able to beat these odds meaningfully. Um, so I don't love Arizona and I, I personally would still take less Kyler than more. Um, but it's a contrarian bet at this point. So I get it. I just wouldn't, yeah. Like Kyler going at 185 here, that's great. That's a good spot for him to go. Kyler going at 150, as he does sometimes in drafts. I think that's basically drafting him at his ceiling for the health outcome, which is tough. <laughs> D Marks has never heard of correlation. What does this seem here? Chase Brown, Jeff Wilson. I mean, I like his running backs at that point. Uh, Lamb, Chubb, Debo, Burrow. Jones Dobbins, so an unstacked burrow until Chase Brown. Um, unstacked Rodgers as well. Yeah, that's the one thing I would say for anybody, you know, hopping into a draft. If you are new, you know, glad to have people doing drafts. That said, like the first thing you should be doing is stacking up your players, like that's that's rule number one. Um, Hayden Hurst is a guy that I will take here. Do you have the little bet on Jacksonville? with Christian Kirk. So Hayden Hurst will be that bring back. (sighs) Gesicki makes sense for me here because I do have Damian Harris for the week 17. Um, but I guess I should take a Cowboys tight end, right? Because I only have the single for Dallas. Let's take Musgrave as my Minnesota bring back. Then we'll take one of Ferguson or Schoenmacher, uh, at the end of the draft. We'll have a double stack for Dallas, but very contrarian double stack, a double stack that says that none of the receivers from Dallas get there, but that's fine. If you're stacking Dallas at home, you know, like I, as we talked about earlier, I would not reach for CD lamb at the 101 in the spot I was in. That said, you still want CD lamb. If you are going to stack up Dallas, like I always believe you want the receiver one overall. Um, I would have liked to have gotten cooks. I would have maybe liked to have gotten Gallup. Didn't get either of those guys falling in a pocket. That made sense. So uh, we're going to play Dallas through Tony Pollard and Tony Pollard having a legendary year. Can it happen? It can happen. Will it happen? Eh. What's my QB cutoff for two versus three? Um, I'll do three if the room gives me a value or if I get blocked out early. Um, I would say my general bar for three would be no elite QB. So, you know, obviously the top guys, um, I think Ar to to Jones slash Gino would be about my bar for capping yourself at two QBs, and then if you take a QB after these guys, then I think that's when you would want to go to a three QB build. But it still is like I'll take three QBs sometimes when it's like Jordan Love falls thirty picks after ADP, twenty picks after ADP, and I have Green Bay. I think that's still the biggest deciding factor for me going three QBs. But I think it's also you know like the draft capital buckets tool, the brick tool seems like a really good thing for that. Um, Trying to do that mental math for yourself is what I would try to say, where you take Josh Allen, never do three QBs, I think for the most part, unless you accidentally do 2 bye bi-weeks that are the same. And even then you can make the case that like that just makes you more unique and you still shouldn't do a third QB. Um, But if I'm covered at receiver, if I feel good about my, you know, my running backs and my tight ends, that to me is more of the deciding factor for the three QB ADP value plus like, you know, did I, do I have a stack that's just waiting there? Because like I don't take Ritter a good amount like um as a third QB, even though he's sometimes available. Just because like I don't I don't know what Ritter does for a build where you have like AR and and Tua. Like I don't think that you're getting a lot out of Ritter in that spot. (laughs) Love your receivers, love your running backs, love your QBs, hate your tight ends. Um, I am the most comfortable with a three tight end, three late tight end build. I, I know Karain has talked about that a little bit as well, so I'm glad to hear that. Uh, whenever Corrine has a take then I'm like, Oh fuck, this is one of mine. Like, I hope he's (laughs) on the same side here. Um, always good to hear that from, you know, even if it's just validation of the same thing that I'm already thinking and three late, three late tight ends, man. If you don't get Andrews, you don't get Kelsey. Um, I think just go late, but I'm a lot more comfortable with the rookie tight ends. I know our, our pal John Daigle has pushed back a little bit on that concept. Um, I think that like the coaching stuff that I talked about earlier, I think sometimes people miss those macro trends of like what happened in the Super Bowl last year, Kelsey and Goddard two outlier tight ends who, who got volume and also were analytically the best tight ends in football. So like what do teams see then? And how do they adapt to that? They draft tight ends early. We had a lot of early tight ends. It wasn't all first rounders this year, but was enough early draft capital for Kincaid for Musgrave for Laporta. Um, i missing a third one in there. Uh, but anyway, point being like enough early tight end capital there that like, I think that teams are going to adapt mayor um, who I also love. Like, I think that, Three rookie tight ends at the end of a draft I think can be a winning configuration this year. But one with two rookies like Hurst as a a guy who was good last year in Cincinnati. You know, Irv Smith, get him as the the start of your third tight end build or your three tight end build. I think those look pretty good. Um, I, I will have a lot of three tight end builds this year. There we go. Somebody loves him. Love stars, loves him. If you can trust anybody about loving a build, it's a man with love in his name. Jordan Love, if Jordan Love said play three tight ends as well, I'd be on board. Yeah, we got Ferguson. I don't know if Ferguson is a better pick than Mayer. I'm surprised that Ferguson's actually ahead of Mayer in ADP. Because I think Schoenmacher is the better tight end of him and Ferguson. Um, Ferguson was fine last year, though. Nothing to really poke holes in with Ferguson. See, these last two picks too, then we'll review my exposures and then we'll call it quits here before we, uh, I don't know, before we call it quits. (laughs) I don't know why I felt like I needed to add more words onto that. Waiting for Luke, big shots, make his pick, make his pick. Nicole Hardman, there we go. And we will take Jake Ferguson here. You know, I think these guys are honestly pretty similar plays. So my final team, Dak Cousins, of course, got to have Dak in a Cowboy stack. Tony Pollard here. Nice little value at running back. Kenneth Walker, Damian Harris, Kendra Miller, Tyler Algier, Deontay Foreman, maybe didn't need to go six running backs there, but I always try to go six running backs. Um, Did I not even click? Yeah, I clicked Jefferson. Um, Jefferson, Metcalf, Kirk, Pickens, Addison, Jamison Williams, Tim Patrick, I honestly just panicked and took Tim Patrick. I can say that now. (laughs) And then a tight end, Hayden Hurst, Luke Musgrave, and Jake Ferguson, all week 17 bring backs or correlated plays uh, with Dak Prescott. So let's go to my teams here. Let's refresh and name this shit, and then we will see my exposures, and you guys can judge me accordingly. Judge me at my worst. Spags, stacks, Dell. Uh, no, and Minnesota again. All right, let's pull him up, boys. Patrick getting steamed up. I think that's why that's the one defensible thing with taking Patrick is that he clearly is coming up for reasons that are kind of ambiguous and unclear. Okay, we see my radical zero RB team. All right, we, we, let's look at that real fast before we go. This one actually wasn't radical enough. I did a more radical one that I think is a better example. Oh, here we go. All right, so this is on a Lull stream, which I accidentally walked into, but I think this is a pretty interesting one. So six receivers, cap myself there because we went all early rounds. Um, I think I did take a deviation here, right? Yeah, I took Deshaun as a deviation point. Uh, but Wilson, Adams, Watson, Judy, Marquise, Brown, Moore. That's a little bit thinner than a radicalized zero RB should be. Let me see if I have another one. There's one that I really liked that I did once, and I'm not sure where that is. Yeah, fuck. Was it in a puppy, maybe? It's hard to thread the needle of like a perfect zero RB team. But this one I do think is close. Again, it's just hitting them in that first six rounds, you know, like I think is the main thing. Uh, maybe six out of seven rounds, I think is enough to justify it. But yeah, that's that's sort of the build here. Maybe not perfect, but but yeah, I think that's uh, easy late round stacks. That's kind of the appeal as well. All right, so my most exposed QBs, uh, we'll, we'll do just best ball mania here. Anthony Richardson still number one, 29%. Jimmy Garoppolo is my number two, trying to take advantage of the fact that people don't think he's healthy. I also get enough Adams and I have enough overall Indianapolis, Las Vegas for week 17 there. That That's sort of why Garoppolo gets there. Deshaun Watson, as I've talked about making a bet on Cleveland appeals to me. Watson falls a lot in rooms and he's also the natural kind of pivot point to my AR exposure. Jordan Love, Kirk Cousins, again, I'm getting so much Justin Jefferson. How could you not get Kirk Cousins here? stroud bryce young but all overall very flat which is how i think you need to play qb you just want to get exposure to these stacks so like flattening it out here i would like to get more of the elite guys at some point but i think they're going to fall at some point so that's why they are not currently uh too highly exposed for me a running back uh jalen warren Kendra miller roshan johnson devin singletary chase brown Uh, Tank Bigsby. So this is a firm zero RB portfolio here. All guys that I I talked about earlier, rookies who should have a chance to get a role, guys who are being potentially passed over because they're not being viewed as valuable like Devin Singletary, but they easily can win a starting job in their new backfield. Um, Those are the guys that I like. And Dobbins is still the one guy in terms of early-ish running backs that I think I will take pretty reliably, especially if you have any Miami receivers. Receiver, Christian Watson gotta get down on Christian Watson a little bit. 35% Watson. He is now my highest exposed guy in BBM at receiver besides Pittman 32%. And then you can see it falls off here. So Watson and Pittman right now are my two big stands that I would like to get closer to this range of Metcalf, Adams, uh, Quinton Johnson. I didn't realize it's quite that high, but it does make sense for me. Uh, Pickens Pierce, uh, Alec Pierce, by the way, literally free on drafting. So, um, Pretty cheap on underdog, but if you're going to draft him, probably draft on DraftKings. And a tight end. Uh, Michael Mayer has now passed. Mark Andrews as my most exposed tight end. Love Mayer, great red zone target earner, great matchup indoors against Indianapolis in Week 17. And also just a guy who I think is going to be a part of a functional offense. So Vegas is one of my bets on the year, apparently. Um, Andrews, Jelani Woods, Sam Laporta, Irv Smith, Dalton Kincaid, and then Hawkinson. Uh, not that far behind, so I'm kind of surprised by that. Oh, was Aaron? So that one wasn't really as radical. Uh, I think it's the issue. <laughs> That's why I skipped over it. That was the team I drafted. Uh, it was actually ended up being on not on the stream. I uh, was in the same room as uh, Herzig and the ADP chasing guys. But This one is not as radical as it could have been. Um, I think because I pivoted off after Deontay Johnson. So like, I guess this is technically radical zero RB. But to me, the radical zero RB is you draft six and then you stop. But I got Diggs, Olave, Ridley, Watson, Deontay Johnson. And then Juju and Mingo. Yeah, probably not as radical as it sounds like from my titling. Thanks. How much of your Las Vegas exposure is just due to take AR every draft? Um, It's both. It is the AR part of it, but it's also that I think Vegas is undervalued. Um, I think Jimmy G is just the quarterback that people have a hard time wrapping their heads around. He's not a sexy player. Where he gets his value is Adams being good, is Jacobs being good, is Mayer being good, is Jacoby Myers being good here and there. And I like those bets. I think the bets on a QB who just rises with the tide, like we talked about earlier, like the best bets I think you can make are a QB who then drives his entire stack up. Uh, So like that would be Stroud, whereas I think the inverse is true for Jimmy G, where the entire stack drives up Jimmy G because he's like the guy who makes it all hum for those guys. So Jimmy G like is probably a Brock Purdy type. Like Purdy was himself not fantastic last year. He was fantastic as a part of that overall picture. Um, so that's what I think Jimmy G is. Like he is fantastic as a part of that overall picture. And if the Raiders are good, like Jimmy G can't like Jimmy G can't be bad if the Raiders are passable to good. So that's how I feel about it. All right, guys. Appreciate all you hanging out with me again. I will pull up. I didn't play enough gifts today. Um I guess I didn't do any running back piggery, so I don't need that one. Uh, Maybe Tyler needed a bonk earlier. Or, or a masturbating Daffy Duck. So there's your run of gifts here at the end. The most important gift, though, is please subscribe down below. Hit the like button. Leave a comment here. Of course, I always reply to every comment on the Splash Play channel, but also please subscribe. Of course, try and hit 3,000 subs on here so we can do a special drunk show with Pete when he hits 15,000 subs. And of course, the like button here helps us get seen by more people. Helps me spread the good word of, of player takes and all that to new people out there. That's always the hope. Of course, if you are having any issues gambling responsibly, please check this lingo down below. I would use the promo code splash in general but if you are having issues this is more important to you please don't don't waste your money don't be stupid with it don't do draft bad teams if you need to but like make it out of money that you can afford that's always the thing that i would say first and foremost for people here and of course if you can uh, spend your money and you are gambling responsibly use that promo code splash double your deposit up to 100 on underdog great way to build your bankroll as you are starting out on there if you are a new drafter uh, but also just a great way to support the show. So please do that on there. Uh, shout out to the chat as well. As always, appreciate each and every one of you hanging out with me genuinely from the bottom of my heart. It's always fun for me, but it's really fun to feel like we're building something where people are smart and engaging and talking about stuff and debating me on it. That's what uh, the joy is for me. So thank you guys for doing it. And uh, I will jump out now, but enjoy your weekends, guys. And uh, thanks for hanging. I'll see you guys again soon. Uh, good luck. Bye. <laughs>